Hi everyone and welcome back to the Product Marketing Life podcast, which is brought to you by Product Marketing Alliance. My name is Bryony Pierce and I'm the content manager here at PMA. This week's podcast is sponsored by Product Marketing Core, better, we know. PMMC is our very own Product Marketing Certification Programme and it covers the A to Z of Product Marketing Essentials. With 11 modules, 68 chapters, 87 exam questions, 10 plus hours worth of learning and official PMA certification, it's a course not to be missed. Head to pmmalliance.co forward slash pmmc for more info. As part of this series, we're connecting with PMMs all over the world about various product marketing topics. And in this episode, we'll be speaking to JD Prater, the head of product marketing at Quora, about objectives and key results. JD was at Quora from 2018 to 2020, and since recording this show with us, he's actually landed a job at Google as Fiber's marketing manager. Before his stints at Quora and now Google, he spent time at AdStage, Hannapin Marketing, and Inflow, and he's also one of our very own PMA ambassadors. Anyway, enough from me. Welcome to the show, JD. Oh, thanks so much for having me. No, it's great to have you here today. I guess, could we just kick off with a bit of an intro into you, um, your role at Cora, and then for anyone who's new to Cora, just a little bit about Cora itself. Yeah, so for me, I'll kind of give you the, the quick timeline of my progression as a into the product marketing world, but uh, I started off uh, working in nonprofits, and that's really where you get that strategic narrative down. I mean, that's nonprofits live and die by the story. And so being able to connect with audiences, you know, to resonate, to ultimately drive donations, that's really important. So uh, really uh, had great experiences starting off there uh, within my world, kind of transitioned into the agency side where I got to help a lot of different companies around uh, messaging, you know, launching products, and then also on that demand gen side of things too. So got to run like a, a lot of advertising for uh, clients and then moved internally. Uh, which was a lot of fun. So worked in and into the B2B SaaS and then moving into um, Quora. So now at Quora, it's the world's largest question and answer website. You know, millions of questions and answers added every single week. You have probably landed on it from a Google search, right? That's probably how most people are familiar with Quora. Uh, but I'm on the uh, the monetization team and that's where I lead the product marketing. Quora been around over 10 years now and it's time to get some revenue, and we do that through advertising. So just like Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, the other kind of platforms out there, uh, we run ads, you know. And so I'm on that team and kind of leading that go-to-market strategy. And then in terms of the core ads product marketing team specifically, what does that look like in terms of numbers and roles? Yeah, so I was our first our first hire. Um, so coming in to kind of lead this, and then um, with my help, I have one other person that really helps me. So there's really two of us that kind of lead that product marketing. Um, she helps out more really on the on the content, the sales enablement piece, and really helps me, uh, you know, playbooks, one pagers, FAQs, and that's where uh, we kind of kind of share and balance each other out. Mm-hmm. And then just out of curiosity, how is the rest of the product marketing kind of function um, divvied up at Cora? Yeah, so it's crazy. Whenever you hear this, we are the only ones. 
so this okay. is what's so interesting. Uh, so I, I'm literally the first, but it's also because um, as many of you guys have probably felt out there listening, um, you know, the PMs have owned it at Cora. And so the what it's good and bad, right? It puts a lot of pressure on them uh, to deliver the PM side, but also the other side of that, you know, that kind of go to market side, which is uh, good and bad. Uh, some are better than others. Some like it more than others. Um, but in my experience, it usually means it gets a little bit watered down when you don't have someone really focused on it and that can really drive that execution part of it. And mm-hmm. so um, with the ad side of things, we do have, uh, you know, me and another person that are really driving and focusing um, every single quarter with our OKRs, which we'll get into, uh, really pushing that narrative, pushing that, you know, uh, campaigns, that adoption, the whole like life cycle of, of that Quora ads experience. Mm-hmm. And how did you find it coming into Quora as the first product marketer? Um, <laughs> I know it's a semi-universal kind of pain point coming in first. Sometimes you have to do a lot of explaining of what the role of product marketing actually is. Um, was that a big part of your role as you first entered? Yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, I'm, I'm I'm very lucky. My boss was a product marketer uh, before, so she got it and she understood it. Obviously, that's why she was hiring for one. But you know, in the in the company within the team, it took a lot of internal education, a lot of training, a lot of evangel you know evangelizing what I do uh, internally. So not even externally, going to conferences, telling other people, it's like, hey guys, this is what we do. This is how we can help. And a lot of that just came down to, you know, it's, it's influencing without authority. And that's like a true product marketer, you know, mm-hmm. cause it's very cross functional. And so, uh, it takes time. Like it's, you know, that would say it took six months, uh, mm-hmm. to really get there, but uh, ultimately really started to work and honed in on the, on the PM team because I needed to get in quicker. Um, you know, there was a lot of before I got there, Hey, we're ready to launch this in two weeks. Can you guys write? you know, the blog post and really push it. We're like, what? Two weeks? Like, I look, I can do marketing in two weeks. I'm, I'm much better at doing marketing with two months, you know, or three months, right? Give me some time to put together something. And so uh, really understanding what their goals were, uh, you know, obviously they're launching something and they want it to be successful. And so that was a key, you know, value prop. And then the other value prop being in the voice of the customer, bringing in data that also uh, got me a, a like, respectable, you know, stakeholder where I was able to come in and say, look, you know, this is what they're asking for. Hey, like this is what the market is saying. Um, and that got me a seat at the table as well. So, uh, and I, I also throw out anyone lunches, a good thing. You know, I know this is like COVID time, but like pre COVID time, sit down, get to know the person. Uh, that's also uh, much easier to influence people too, whenever you can like have a friendly relationship. Mm-hmm, for sure. And then final kind of curiosity question before I dive into some OKR stuff. Who is it that you kind of feed into um, your product marketing function? Is it products, marketing, something else? Or? We feed into marketing, uh, but we feed into a CRO. So a CRO mm-hmm. is over uh, marketing sales, uh, our CS team. And so we're the revenue team. We're all like fully aligned, which I'll get into with the OKRs, but uh, ultimately we roll up into marketing and I'm, I've listened to the podcast plenty of times. I'm, I'm a fan of rolling into marketing. I, I think it really helps on that. Like uh, for us, that go to market side is really important as a new ads platform and, you know, trying to drive awareness. I think right now that's where that really aligns well. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Um, so moving on to the OKR stuff um, at Cora, 
Who's involved in the OKR process when it actually comes to setting those objectives? Yeah, so we do quarterly. You know, uh, if you've learned, if you do any OKRs, you learned about OKRs, you know, quarterly, that also fits really well within our product life cycle. And that's how uh, we really plan on a quarterly basis. So at the beginning of the year, you know, the exec team is putting out, hey, this is where we want to be. Usually, you know, around three OKRs uh, that they are, you know, aligning with. And those are like different parts of the full platform around Quora. And that's, those are big, you know, those are, those are the year long, uh, you look at them and you're like, I don't know, man, are we going to do that? Like, I just, okay, cool. All right, let's do it. You know? And so once you start like chunking them up, you're like, okay, this quarter, we can do this. Then you break that down. And so starting at the company level and then typically product goes first with their OKRs. And I say first because, uh, that is, we're a very product led organization. And that's really where a lot of us will then feed from. So uh, we kind of default to them uh, mostly. We work with, you know, the product team. Like it's never really a surprise what the OKs are. are, are OKRRs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think understanding that they're really kind of setting the tone uh, for us to then build off. So they kind of start. Then our team, uh, marketing team, will understand what their kind of product vision is, what their OKRs are, and then we'll kind of, you know, ladder up into those in kind of a cross-functional way, but also like we're going to help support that. Mm-hmm. And we do that as a team. And so it's, it's no, it's not really um, tops down. It really is kind of bottoms up like, Hey, like, you know, and we start to like think through how can we do this? And that's like, that's the full team, like the full team meeting. And it's kind of fun because, you know, it takes us like a good week uh, to really solidify what those are. And I, I think it's fun. I don't know. I mean, planning, you know, strategy, like that's like the fun part, I think of all of our jobs. And from there that then gets broken down to the individual level. Um, so that's kind of how we think company and then team, and then individual level of how I can uh, help support that. Mm-hmm. So when you say the team, sorry, do you mean kind of your product marketing team of three, or is this the wider marketing team as well? Mm. Or? Uh, we, we do the wider marketing team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, one of the marketing OKRs might be product marketing. You know, another one might be demand gen. Another one might be, you know, uh trying to think of another customer marketing, you know what I mean? Like, so it might be like the full life cycle within that way of how the marketing team is going to support. Again, depending on what the product is building, if they're launching a new, you know, a whole new, you know, product, a whole new feature that's going to require more go to market. If they're lighter this month and they're really focusing on improving the experience um, Mm -hmm. of our, like maybe our ads manager. So that's what they kind of did in Q2. We launched a whole new redesign and really focused on uh, improving that functionality. So there's not really a lot for us to talk about, you know, to the market. So it's mostly like, how do we have our customers understand that? How do we have our customers adopt that? So we kind of adjust like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Go. Yeah. So next question, I guess this will kind of change from quarter to quarter as you review them. But what sort of OKRs are you actually kind of measured against? Can you give us some examples? Yeah, so... Um, it definitely changes every quarter, uh, mostly in the key results. You know, the objectives, I would say, kind of like rotate, right? You know, so when you think about it, the objective, you're like, I want our advertisers to be successful. 
right? And it's, it's, it's vague enough, but it's also like big enough, you know? And so how do you do that? How do you have successful advertisers? Um, and so that would be an example. And then, you know, you, we start working through some key results of what that could look like. Um, success is such a dubious, nebulous term. Like, you're like, what is success? You know, it's like, this guy is successful, but she's not successful. You know what I mean? Like, and mm-hmm. so we really tried to like hone in on what that looks like for us and what we can control. I think another thing that we think through, uh, for like an OKR is like brand awareness. I mean, we are new, you know, we've been around for just three years. You've got the Googles and the Facebooks of the world just sucking up all ad spend, all data. It's, it's, it's incredible, you know, how much money they really make. But when we start looking at other competitors, you know, maybe like LinkedIn, maybe like Reddit, you know, we're actually able to compete within that. And so really understanding, uh, brand awareness. So maybe it's a uh, key result is I'm going to be on five podcasts this quarter, right? You know, as an example, um, talking about Quora or, looking at um, uh, a campaign that we launched around, you know, a uh, product that's coming out. So we've got lead gen forms coming out. Um, so yes, we stole that from LinkedIn is the exact same term. Thankfully in advertising, you can completely steal other companies uh, names and be okay with that. Uh, they actually appreciate <laughs> it. So thank you, LinkedIn. We, we really, we hats <laughs> off to you. This is, this is, you know, our hat tip. And so, uh, understanding what that, what does that brand awareness look like for that campaign? And then ultimately probably moving into Q3, uh, it's going to be a probably adoption, probably even to Q4. It's going to probably take three to six months to get the adoption that we want. And so measuring those results as key results. Mm-hmm. So am I technically helping you achieve one fifth of your OKRs? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We, we, we can, we can cross off, you know, this is that, this is that, that 20% right there. Done. You're welcome, <laughs> <Thank> Tara. You. <laughs> um, yes. Okay, cool. So, and then how many typically, and you mentioned kind of an organization level, there's typically mm. three um, objectives for the year. How many do you typically try and have on the go at once? Because um, I know, but I know you've read our carry book. We have um, a section in there. And I think it's Div Manicum, um mentions that kind of two to three OKRs should be the kind of cap to maintain focus. Um, like, where do you sit on that kind of range? I mean, I agree, right? Like, I would love to have that focus. What ends up happening, especially whenever you're a smaller team, and you're still building out this core function, I end up with way too many. And so this is where I need help from like my boss to like, yeah, okay, let's, let's cut some of those, right? And let's like really focus here or working with the product team cross-functionally to understand. But what I think we all end up doing, and you know, I think you'll end up having one for like go to market. You'll have one for sales enablement. You'll have one for lead gen. You'll have one for product adoption. And so you'll end up because those are like all core, you know, things that we do as PMMs, but it like it stretches you really quick because then you'll have three to five key results under each one. And the next thing you know, you're at like 25 key results, but you've only got three months to do it. And so what we do, I then just kind of like, all right, what, what can we cut? What can we move around? You know, what's the most important thing for us to work on? And so I usually try to get around three. Uh, it's a long answer for that one, but I, I, I just, I know there's probably people out there that do this that probably end up with like five and they got five key results and then they're just tired yeah. every quarter. 
Well, I bet as well for some product marketers, if, if you're managing kind of two, three, four, five, or even more products, and then you've got all those oh, yes. colors within those, like it can just get crazy very quick, I imagine, in product marketing. Yes, yes. And I, I you know, I think that also helps uh, justify maybe for headcount, right? So I, th- I think that's why I like to go bigger um, every quarter and just to show all the things we, you know, can do. Uh, I put in air quotes, air, can do and want to do. But, you know, resource constraints, this is what we, you know, this is what we have to focus on. And I, I think it's also valuable for other teams to see as well. Uh, I know that's like the draft mode, but I do think it's important whenever you're getting that uh, cross-functional and that like transparency for them to see that, you know, sorry, I can't work on that. Yeah. And then in between those kind of quarterly reviews of your OKRs, like how often and how are you going in, kind of checking in and making sure you're on track and tweaking? But is that like a daily thing, uh, weekly or? Yeah, so we have weekly one-on-ones and we typically, so we have a couple of things. We have a team meeting. It's every Monday. Uh, we definitely review, uh, you know, what we're working on, how that ladders up to those uh, OKRs. So uh, we look at it as a team every 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 week. And then uh, we have our individual one-on-ones where, um, you know, where we check in on them because we just covered them. But probably like bi-weekly there, we really, you know, hone in. I try to uh, – I always put mine like in a, in a sauna. We use a sauna for a lot of our task management. Now, I, a key result is not a task. I understand that. But I try to break it up into tasks um, that help me, you know, get to that point. Um, so if I know if I need to be on – Five podcasts, yes, we, you know, the example, it's like, okay, you know, who, who can I reach out to or, you know, which ones do I need to get on to? Um, so as an example, um, and that helps me stay focused, but also like set deadlines and, you know, it's all in Asana. Anyone can go and see it. And then I like Asana's emails and their notifications right into Slack. And so, uh, you're, you're always up to date. Yeah, for sure. And then how do you go? So obviously product marketing is a very collaborative role. Um, and I guess with a lot of the OKRs, it's, it won't just be you or your product marketing counterparts that kind of drive them forward um, and are responsible for hitting that um, OKR. So how do you go about kind of what's the like, how do, how do you ensure responsibility? Is it a shared OKR with marketing or product, for example, or do you take full ownership or how does that work at Cora? Yeah, so this is why it's also tough too, right? If you if you only have three, you know, and you're gonna be, I always, you know, you're gonna have one that's probably shared with with your counterparts, you know, on, on the PM side. Um, and so that's why you have, for me, it's like uh, keeping our advertisers, you know, having successful advertisers, right? It's it's big enough of an objective, but then those key results, I could, um, you know, filter in the PM, you know, we're going to launch this or we're going to drive adoption of this. And so there might be that kind of um, counterpoint of responsibility on the PM side. So if I'm saying driving adoption, you know, like help me, you know, understand who would be a good fit for this or is is my messaging good, right? And so we, we both kind of own this, you know, responsibility. And so I think that's really helpful. But yes, we do have some that are shared typically one of those uh, of the three and then the other two um you know it's not shared with sales but like you know sales enablement you know how's your deal velocity how's your confidence we did three trainings this month do you guys feel good you know about this go to market and so you know it's not shared but it's also at the same time you know it's helping them 
Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned earlier um, kind of an example of one of the OKRs was brand awareness. So like looking at the finer details, like how do you like how do you measure brand awareness at Quora? Like what will you actually compare against what metrics? Yeah, it's a really tough one. I mean, you know, all the brand marketers out there, they have you know, they have way more sophisticated tools than we do. But some things that we look at are a couple of things. Um, we like to look at, you know, social listening. So we like to see, are people talking about us more? Um, that's, you know, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, uh, some things that we, I really like is um, people repeating our messaging back to us, you know? And so that's a good thing that I think is a little bit more measurable. Um, our sales team will say, hey, they were talking about this and this, right? You know, that worked or um, understanding where leads might be coming from, you know? So, um, hey, I heard you on this podcast. Hey, I was at this conference, you know, and I think those kind of things help. Uh, it's not a perfect science by any stretch of the imagination, but I think at this point, uh, we know that brand awareness is more long-term measurement. Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily this week, next week. It really is six months to a year, you know, for something to really resonate, to really stick and to like really get that traction that we want in the market. And so um, that's really how we kind of look at it and measure it. It is, that was probably like a year OKR if we're realistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I think, oh, sorry. And then I think uh, one thing I wanted to layer in was uh, within a certain like product, like, you know, lead gen forms, we would look at uh, adoption uh, because you wouldn't really know about it. Unless, you know, you got hit with a campaign uh, outside of like, um, you know, we kind of break it up into existing users and then new users that came in just for this specific ad unit. Mm-hmm. And then with those lead gen forms, is it a case of just kind of going in, seeing where people are dropping out? And then will you be continually refining those forms, um, probably higher completion rates and that kind of thing? So with Legion Forms, uh, for ad, it's like a, it's an advertising unit, right? And so that allows them to capture leads in Cora, so the user never has to leave Cora. It's great. Um, and then you know how we kind of look at it is uh, of our existing users. Like this is a much easier brand awareness play for them. It's that's just like almost cross sell. You know, uh, emailing looking at our campaigns and kind of understanding in product notifications, right? There's a couple of different touch points that we have working with our CSMs, but um, new acquisition is something that we would look at and say, like you came in, you were never spending before, or maybe you reactivated, you know, maybe it was a resurrection campaign uh, because of that. And so that would be something that we could attribute to that brand awareness that those campaigns that we were driving. Mm-hmm. And then out of curiosity, so your background kind of before Cora, um, you said you work at nonprofits, agencies, and typically more kind of marketing um, specific roles. How have your OKRs now in a products marketing role in Cora in house? Like how, how have they differed from these kind of previous roles you've had? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think a lot of it is um, it's just different within the messaging. I think is a bigger one. You know, the 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 positioning is a bigger one, or you know, uh, there might be a strategic narrative piece, right? It's more of uh, I would say like more storytelling. I think is part of it. I think whenever you think you know demand gen heavy, you know, it's like leads. You know, what is my conversion? You know, whatever it is, right? It's these metrics that you have that are really uh, kind of easier to measure. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Whereas like, you know, we don't have a, uh, a place that we store all of our like sales enablement to track all of our uses of sales. And there, there are tools that do that. Right. And so we're, you know, kind of hacking that. Right. But I think as we get into more measurable and more refined and get uh, more robust within this PMM role, um, I think these metrics and these OKRs look a little bit different as far as like um, we start thinking through, uh, let's see here, like that was like asset utilization, you know, really thinking through like feature adoption, right? Like that's a very, product marketing thing. Um, and so that one was different than whenever, you know, you're in the agency side because you may not have those back-end metrics. You might be all front-end. Or when you're in the nonprofit side, you're really like, donations. Did we get donations? Yes or no? <laughs> you know, or you're looking at your email open rates or your click-through rates, you know, really trying to understand how your uh, donors are coming in, you know, and re-spend, you know, re-upping this next month or, you know, net new donors. So it's, it's similar, but also very different, I think. Yeah, for sure. And then not even OKR related, but just out of curiosity, how did your transition from those more marketing generalist roles happen into product marketing? Was it kind of very active choice or natural progression or? Yeah. I mean, I think it was a very natural progression for me. Um, you know, so I, I mean, I'm, for those in the U.S. listening, I'm I'm from Middle America, Oklahoma, um, where product marketing isn't wasn't really a thing. Um, and then you know we moved to D.C. Ultimately moved uh, to Denver, and now I'm in the Bay Area. And so uh, the Bay Area has had this concept of product marketing, uh, but everywhere else not so much. <laughs> and so that wasn't really an option or something I even thought about, but. Growing up in the nonprofit world, you know, that's, that is, that is product marketing. You know, it's maybe more brand marketing, but it, that is product marketing. Um, if, if, if a product marketer is the CMO of this product, you know, it's just, there's one product and it's what we're doing. And so the storytelling, the narrative, the messaging, I mean, that is nonprofits excel at that. Mm-hmm. And then agency side, you know, this is the go to market. This is your launch strategy. This is demand gen. You know, this is, messaging in a hundred and you know 40 characters on Twitter and I know it's now more but you know it's it's you know we didn't have a product marketer giving us messaging it was us coming up with the messaging it was us coming up with the testing and everything like that and now moving into kind of internal roles you quickly understand oh I've been doing product parts of product marketing my entire time um, and this was a pretty natural fit for me because I was also doing a lot of, uh, like evangelism, you know, mm-hmm. so conference speaking events, webinars, and that's another thing we haven't even, you know, another thing to measure. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but I think it was a pretty natural fit. It was a pretty, um, I would say easy fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of worked out, um, whenever Cora reached out and like, Hey, do you want to come do this? And you're like, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes complete sense. That seems to be so often the case as well. I ask um, in the other series of Got Product Marketing Insider podcast, um, ask a lot of people how they got into product marketing. And everyone's like, I just kind of fell into it and then realized I was doing product marketing under various different titles for years beforehand. Um, yes. So, yeah, I think that's definitely a trend for <laughs> most people. <laughs> I think uh, like, I think product marketing has almost got like um, to an extent, it's like a land, like a, a land grab uh, role where you're just like, yeah, I'll take that. 
I'll take that. Right. And so we're like just taking on more responsibility, which is great to an extent, but at some time you're going to feel stretched. You need to hire more, but like, you know, in previous roles, uh, like feature adoption, retention, like that was on more like uh, life cycle marketing or customer marketing and working uh, with our, our CSMs or working with the CS team. Uh, but you know, with PMM zoning it, you're like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. Okay. That's cool. Or the demand gen side, like demand gen, they may like, have worked with the PMM like beforehand, but it was mostly like, Hey, we're launching this, go figure it out. You know, here's our persona docs. And you know, there was no like collaboration really of that, you know, who owns what and who wears the handoff. It was, mm-hmm. it was mostly just demand gen running. Uh, maybe that wasn't a good practice, but um, yeah, I, I see PMMs becoming a lot more of a strategic role and really uh, taking on more responsibility, which is good and bad. Well, it's one of those, isn't it? The more like kind of prevalent it becomes and people kind of understand and appreciate the value. It's kind of a double edged sword because on the one hand, like, yay, people understand it. But on the other, the more people understand that, the more they want from you, then the more stretched you get, um, which is a good and bad thing, as you say. Um, <laughs> it's probably also why we see PMM look different across every org. You know, right? I mean, it's it's amazing when you look at, uh, you know, job descriptions for PMMs or you, you know, listen to the podcast, you're like, Oh, wow. You do that too. Or wow. Like that's all you do. Like that would be amazing if that's all I could focus on, you know? And so I think there's this, uh, you know, I get a little bit jealous on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. And then I guess one thing that is key for everyone in terms of hitting these OKRs is the relationships that you have with those internal teams in that I guess the kind of closer you are, the more other teams understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, how it applies to them, the more likely they are to adopt it and support you and help you roll out. So how like how do you describe the other um, teams that you work with at Quora? Um, are you all quite close-knit? They all get it, um, all super supportive of the product marketing kind of role? I would say now. Uh, I mean, now. Um, now we are. I think it's great. You know, I think for me, too, something that um, I should have mentioned earlier was like I also had like executive buy in, you know, like our CRO really likes product marketing. He sees the value in it and especially like training the sales team. And so I have like uh, we have a revenue meeting um, biweekly with it's the full revenue team. And, you know, and I present in this meeting, you know, I'm I'm giving the product updates, what's coming. Here's the messaging, you know, letting them know. You know, we're going to have this launch this date. We're going to do this training here. Here's, you know, and so I think it elevates the role uh, amongst the team, which is great. Um, So whenever I do come knocking on their door for feedback or, uh, you know, something, I think there is like this like impetus to say, oh, okay, yeah, I can, uh, I will help JD or, uh, but at the same time, you still got, you know, rogue, you know, salespeople running their own messaging. You're not really going to fix that, but, you know, I think having that buy-in is is key, especially when you're trying to uh, influence others in the in the org. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of drilling into that, because I know a lot of people will probably be listening and be very jealous of that kind of CRO relationship. <laughs> is that is that kind of a byproduct of this work that you did when you first joined? I know you said you kind of spent six months on the education piece, um, or were they just kind of maybe more bought into the product marketing role anyway, or maybe a combination of the two? Like, how did you go about getting to the position where you're invited to these meetings? Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, I think a lot of it, um, I think you just keep showing up, right? Uh, providing as much value as you can. Um, 
Man, that, that's really, it's a really good question. I think my boss did a lot for me. Like I, I, I want to like give as much credit to other people, but you know, I think you, if you, if you're out there listening, it's like, I think show up, provide value, be the voice of the customer. Like if you can show up with data, like core is data heavy. Like if you don't have data, you don't really have a seat at the table. And so I show up with data, you know, I, we, we use Tableau. So I'm in Tableau constantly pulling these reports, adoption reports and understanding who our market is. Um, I was, I was lucky enough to be a former advertiser. So I understand the market really well. And so being able to come in and say, I don't think that's, that, that, no, not like that. It needs to look like this. You know, well, where's the data? And you're like, well, actually customer X, Y, and Z said this, this, and they, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, I think that was earned, but at the same time, um, having that executive buy-in was key. And I think the next piece of that is uh, when we think about our messaging and positioning and market and that differentiation, that was key for the sales team to like deal velocity. And that was a turning point as well. Cause once that started sticking and resonating, now they were more willing to listen. <laughs> They're like, Oh, actually, you know what? Like those three value props are spot on. I got a lot of head nods and the deal closed much quicker. Or they started advertising quicker. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, it takes time. It takes time. Yeah, yeah for sure. Okay, cool. Um, final question from me. Um, so in this year's State of Product Marketing Survey um, that we went out with, um, we kind of asked a question around OKRs, um, asking people what they were measured against. Um, and it actually turned out that just over one in four uh, of the product marketers we spoke to like, don't have any OKRs in place at all. Um, I guess I just want to get your thoughts on that. Maybe like, the, like what are your thoughts on not having OKRs and the dangers of that? I mean, it's definitely tricky. Um, I think I think there's a couple of things I'll say to. I don't think OKRs are for every org. Um, I do think you need to have like, uh, and I say that I'm meaning like, if you're like a Series A startup with like 12 people, probably OKR is not that relevant for you because you're you're really probably really close and you understand what's happening. Um, I think as you get bigger, I don't know if there's like a certain number there, maybe maybe 50 people, but I think once you start getting teams. And you're starting to see people running in other directions. I think it's time to bring the ship, you know, bring it together and like work on that. So I think that this, you know, one in four don't have OKRs. I, I think that is, I think if we could, you know, maybe discount 15% of them, but I think the other 10%, you know, I think, I think we'll start to see this get more adoption. I think it's, I think it's really valuable. I think, um, especially as a PMM, I would, I would push for it because it's going to allow a lot more transparency, which is fantastic for building trust, but it's also going to allow for more of that, like cross-functional relationships and collaborations to happen and everyone working together. Uh, again, we were lucky at Cora that it was already in place and that, you know, we had a great CRO that was able to align all the teams around certain metrics and around like how we're going to, you know, do things. And um, so I think leadership was really key. Um, I can say back at ad stage, I was the one that implemented OKRs for the full company. So if you're listening and you don't have them, start with just company OKRs. Uh, I don't think you necessarily need company, team, individual. It leads to a lot of confusion. Just work on that adoption of company OKRs. Let's, let's align around these three things that we're going to do. Maybe the next quarter, your team could do it. Maybe the next quarter, you know, individuals could do it. You know, so I think a slow rollout is also really important. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, awesome. Well, that is all my questions today. Thank you so much for taking the time out for us, JD. It's been really lovely speaking to you. Um, and I'm sure everyone's got lots of use out of this one today. Oh, no, it was a lot of fun. So uh, I thank you for allowing me to come on, talk about some OKRs. If you guys have questions after listening, like I'm sure I do as well, like uh, feel free to reach out. Happy to help where I can. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are.